evening to you. It's good to see you today. Good to have you here joining us in the middle of the week as we come together to pray. I want to talk about prayer tonight and the connection. Last week we talked about prayer and our horizontal relationships that, that affects or impacts our prayer. <clears throat> and if we have something against a brother or we haven't dealt with some things that uh, could um, not, it would, it would block our prayer time with God. Here's one of those things that we have to work on, and I want to look at Matthew chapter 18 and the, uh, the focus on forgiveness there. Matthew 18, verse 21. Let's read through that story. It's a few verses, but uh, we would do well to, to read and and get the flow of the, uh, the parable that Jesus teaches. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Well, when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred uh, denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. They went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him, summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Um, here we want to talk about um, the reason uh, why we forgive, and later on we can talk about how it is we forgive and under what conditions we need to look at in terms of our forgiveness. But here the focus is on forgiveness. Now, Jesus speaks in his parable about um, notice the, the difference between the two examples. In the first example, there's a master. Um, and he's called a king in verse 23 and he wanted to settle accounts with his servants and he had a servant so you have a king and one under him in the second example you had two servants who are on equal level with each other in the first account the servant owed a huge amount it says here a 10,000 talents we put that in today's money. Uh, I did this one, once before. You can look up the, the, you can look that up and, and see. 
but it's an enormous amount that if a person was to work all of their life for a, for a whole lifelong, they couldn't possibly make that much money. So it was virtually impossible for him to earn that much money to pay off that debt. Now, this is a story, so it doesn't say how he got that much debt, but the point is the contrast between the two. He owed a debt he couldn't possibly pay, but yet when the, the king pressed him, he says, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. That wasn't going to happen. It was no way, no matter what he did, that, that he was going to earn enough money to pay off that debt. And yet the king had pity on him and said, okay, not only am I going to give you time to pay the debt, I release you from the debt totally. In other words, I forgive you of that debt. You no longer owe me a dime. That's the first example. Now this same servant goes and he finds a fellow servant, one of his equals, who owes him a little bit of money. Now the amount of money there, 100 denarii, uh, the denarii was basically a day's wage. So you're talking about, you know, if, if a year is 365 days, if even if you look at the working days in a year, 250 days of working, um, he owed him less than a year's wage, a little more than a half a year's wage. Um, that's less than we, we pay for a car today, okay? So it's an amount, but it is nowhere close to what he owed the, the king in the first example. So it's a significant amount, but not a amount that's beyond paying. It's the amount that if he, uh, if he, if he, if he um, worked and earned and saved, he could possibly pay that off. So his attitude towards his fellow servant is, is what being, is being emphasized here. And right away, you can get the example of what, what God is saying. We owe a debt. God has forgiven us far more than we could possibly forgive any of our fellow brothers. It's not a point of how did this person do me wrong and, 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 and should I forgive them. It, it's, it's a contrast of amount. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, if you do not forgive others, then God will not forgive you. And what he's saying is, if, if we are practicing forgiveness in our own lives, then we're not showing that quality, that trait that belongs to those who trust in God because they realize how much they have been forgiven. Now, in a practical way, this is a challenge. It's not easy. Um, we're going to talk more about the practical side of forgiveness but let us see that here is that we if we get one thing here is we are commanded to forgive and we're commanded to forgive because of the great debt that God forgave us in other words our attitude of, of gratitude for what God has done should be so current with us that as we deal with each other it's anything anybody else does against us pales in comparison. Another way to say that is the sin that we've done against God 
is far greater than anything that anybody could possibly do to us. Okay? That's what he's saying. There's a lot of things that we ought to consider when we talk about forgiveness. And I'll just bring this up one. Remember in our study in Mark, when Jesus was going to heal this man, and he decided, instead of just saying, hey, look, you are healed, he, he decided to say, your sins are forgiven. And he did that to, to make a point. And they, the, the, the uh, Pharisees, the Jews, got the point. They said, who are you? Who can forgive sins but God? And that's true. That's true. Why is that true? The ultimate debt for sin is a debt against God. It, it, it is a debt that we owe to God. When we sin, we ultimately sin toward God. He is the one that is righteous. He is the one that has set his rule and his law. And so when I violate his law, it's him that I ultimately have, have, um, have sinned against. And it's him that I need forgiveness from. That's going to be important as we look more deeply about what forgiveness actually is and what it means. But God wants us to realize that we have been forgiven for real. For real. Our debt is no longer held against us. God will never require that from us because he received it from Jesus Christ. Our debt is paid in full. We're not working towards it. We're not paying it off in payments. We don't have a layaway plan. We don't have a charge account. It is paid completely and forever, past, present, and future. Some think, well, it's just my, my past debt that's been paid, and I'm, 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 I'm getting this debt. I'm accruing this debt as I, as I live. That's not the case. That is not the case. If I had to pay for my sins since I was saved, my sins from that point on to now, I still would not be able to pay for them. I still would not be able to pay for them. And so this idea of how we deal with each other, um, God is looking at, at, do we really recognize what he's done for us? Or have we so quickly forgotten? And that's the attitude here. This servant so quickly forgotten that he was millions and millions of dollars in debt and that was cleared. And then somebody owed him a few thousand dollars, and he threw the book at him, threw him in jail. He forgot what, that his sins was forgiven. And, and, and Peter talked about that, too. He's saying, you know, have you forgotten that your sins are forgiven? We should never forget that. We should walk in that. We should realize that. And the realization of that is, is needful. It's impactive of our ability to pray. We aren't truly forgiving. Uh, we can't pray. So we, we need to be able to pray, though. We need to be able to be in touch with God. And uh, God says, practice um, this forgiveness that I've extended to you. Recognize how great it is and practice it as you deal with each other. And that, that, those are some things that just kind of give us a broad uh, view of forgiveness. And let's get into some of the detail of forgiveness. It will do us well to understand what forgiveness actually is and, and how we practice that with each other. So we'll talk about that in some future times together. Evening, saints.
going to be continuing in our meditation. And we will go into Jesus' prayer, called the High Priestly Prayer, that's in John 17. So let's read that together. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me. They have received them, and they have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them, even as you love me. Father. I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, but these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. That's the prayer of Jesus. would you say are some important points that Jesus talks about in his prayer and then after that we'll look for the main point but what are important points that he loves us
speaking to us. Unity. You want us to be prepared to be hated. Let's just look at this and break it down just a little bit in the sections. Um, the first section he says, he's talking about glory, right? And he says, glorify me as I glorified you. And so this first idea is glory. Now, let's think about this. When will Jesus be glorified? When will he be glorified? Not on the cross, right? Because on the cross, that's when God turned his eyes away from Jesus. But that wasn't when it was. So when was Jesus glorified? When he's resurrected, okay. That's definitely maybe a little bit part of it. But let's say this, he's glorified when he went back to heaven, right? So there's... There's this aspect of this whole prayer that is future-looking, right? And the first part is that he will be glorified, which goes past the cross, right? It goes to the ascension, really. It goes back to Jesus returning to his home, which is heaven, which is with the Father. Right? So the first part is just this glorified. In other words, I want to return to being viewed as the God that I really am. The second is that he starts, he says, I manifest at your name. Now, a lot of people talk about manifesting, and this is why I find that sacrilegious, because who manifests things but God? I hate when I hear people talk about manifesting, because it seems to me like they're taking on the powers of Jesus without being Jesus. And anybody who takes on the powers of God and not God, they're blasphemy. If I was to say I could raise you from the dead by my own will, I'm blaspheming. Because who has the power of life over death? That's God. It's not me. Even if God granted me the power to do that, it wouldn't be my will that would bring you back to life. It would be God's will. Me saying I can manifest a speck of dust is a lie. The only one who manifests anything is Jesus. What does it mean to manifest something? Manifest, we talk about the manifestations of the spirit as spiritual gifts. What is a manifestation? It is the real image of something, the appearing of something. Think about a flower coming out of a bud, right? The manifestation, the full blooming, the liveliness of, the maturity of, the life, the creation of something. What did Jesus do? He manifested your name to the people who you gave. And how did he do that? By preaching. How did he do that? By teaching. How did he do that? By discipleship. How did he do that? The ministry of the word. What is the ministry of the word? It's pastors. It's prophets. People who study the word and speak it. When we speak, we're not manifesting anything. It's God who manifests things through his word. I, it, I'm telling you, I know I'm getting a little bit off topic, but it just takes me off to some degree that people will steal things from God. 
And when we speak the word, just like Jesus, and notice even Jesus doesn't claim when he speaks the words, he ain't saying they come from him, even though he's fully God. Who do they come from? Even Jesus is not claiming this power that some of these sanctified people claim, even though he did have that power. What word did he have? The Father's word. What people did he have? God's people, the Father's people. Who has he kept? The Father's saints. And so we can say the main message of the second one is this. Jesus made God come alive to his saints. Saints that are kept by the power of God the Father, the same being who created the whole universe, manifested his word in us and keeps us. And because he keeps us, he wants us to be unified. If he's keeping us all together in his hand, it makes no sense for us to be fighting each other. Last section, he says, I don't ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word. It is said that when the word of God is preached, and I've heard a lot of preachers teach this, and, I, and it's true, when the word of God is preached, it could be said that when it's rightly taught, Jesus is speaking to us. And so every time that we come to church, the reason that we become addicted to coming to church is because we love Jesus. And we want to hear from him. And so the apostles have passed down what? What's the one thing that we got left from Paul? We don't got his clothes. We don't know what style he spoke in. But we got his word. We got 1 Corinthians. We got 2 Corinthians. We got Romans. We got Philippians. We got all the books of Paul. We got all the books of these apostles that they wrote. Why did they write them? Because they wanted them to be kept. Not orally, where people can forget or twist words written down so that they could be passed on, so that the faith of Jesus Christ could not be lost, so that people could die and somebody could come along and still see. That's the word. But Jesus has said this, and I believe this is truly a faithful word. Preachers will be preserved. I'm not saying they can't die, but there will always be a preacher. If Moses dies, there will be a Joshua. There will always be a preacher of God's word. Even in the days when it says there's not many prophets, who arose? Samuel. Who did Samuel anoint? David, who was a prophet. Who did, was David's heir? It was Solomon. Who did David associate himself with? The prophets. prophets will always arise. They don't necessarily need a father or a master because who is their master and their father? It is God. So if we were to put this chapter in a sentence, we would say this. Jesus was looking forward to his glorification. But even though he was looking forward to returning to heaven, he still had some work that was unfulfilled. 
but he made sure while he was on the earth, his ministry was speaking the word that God had given him to save those who he was to save and to preserve those that had been saved, that they cannot be lost. And that word not only preserves those, it regenerates and it reproduces for those of us who carry on this promise so that we could look back on chapter 17 and say to ourselves, Jesus is praying for me right now. And that's why I just find this one of the most powerful chapters in the whole Bible. Because Jesus is praying for us. And you can insert yourself in this chapter because he, he inserts you in it, doesn't he? So I prayed. When we talk about prayer, also we've got to think about the fact that Jesus is praying for us. Now the question we got to ask ourselves is, what is he praying? What is he praying? We have to search our hearts and find out that answer, right? Because he might be saying, praying something specifically for Sweet Communion, but he might be praying something specifically for Brother Dale. And specifically for me. And it's not necessarily that I'll be rich and happy and have a job that's cozy but pays me a million dollars. Because if that was what he was praying for, I'd have that. He's praying for something a little bit more than that. So when we come together with prayer requests, let's try to figure out what Jesus is praying for us. What does he want out of this? Good evening, folks. Today I want to focus on the abundant blessing of the Lord. Um, we exceeded goal for our finances. Um, no, because of Grace Partner Giving, um, and during a pandemic where they wanted us to shut our doors, people weren't working. Um, I just, there's not enough words to praise the Lord on just what he has done in this church to support it, especially in the time when we needed it for the roof, um, that we were able to secure a loan with a lower interest rate for a longer amount of time, get the money we needed for the roof, all in the midst of all this, this mess. And it's just awesome to see how when things seem bad for everybody else, like we had one of our best years, you know? Um, and I just, just praise God for that because, you know, that's all he's doing. That's all he's doing. Um, he blessed all of us so that we could turn around and tie it to the church, continue to give. Um, you know, and this has started even before COVID, you know, people were giving, people were giving faithfully. So I just want to spend time to just praise God for that, praise for his provision um, and how he continues to just keep this church going, keep this ministry going. Um, and then I will close this up. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for these updates. We thank you so much for the faithfulness, Lord, of Andy and his family, Lord. And we thank you for that burden that he takes on. But thank you that he has felt this blessing, Lord, this year. We think, Lord, of um, the churches in the Bible, Lord, who gave um, not just out of their abundance, but out of their need, too, Lord. And so we just thank you that even in the hard times, it's such a hard year and things, people having job situations, or sometimes we know people who 
had to miss work or different things and you just have still blessed lord and you've challenged so many to give and when we got the extra money people are giving it lord and they're not um, putting it upon on themselves or putting it towards you know all of their own needs but they're doing it towards the church and we just can't say thank you enough lord for that because truly it is your people lord that are following the promptings of your spirit to say that they want to give to this ministry that they want to support your work they want to use their access to bless lord and even some their their lack like they might have really needed that money and they chose to spend it that way lord and so we just thank you so much no matter what the reason they gave it they gave it lord for you and we just thank you um we pray that that would just be an offering to you that you would be pleased with our ministry that you would continue to use this ministry that we would reach more and more people as people are coming out more and wanting to interact that we would be able to be ready that we would be able to welcome them that we'd be a light for them lord keep this ministry going lord allow us to pay for this roof lord we ask that you would just continue to work and thank you again lord for all those hearts that have been so generous and pray that we would continue faithfully in jesus name Heavenly Father, just um, thank you, Lord, for your goodness toward us. Um, you are a good father to us. Um, oh, God, you keep us. And, and you provide for us, oh, God. And we just thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for um, just, uh, as song we were saying, you're a way maker. You make a way out of no way. Sometimes as we went through this past year, it's been hard on a lot of us. And I obviously didn't know how things were going to happen or how ends were going to meet, oh God, but you knew. And uh, we thank you for your provision. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for your protection. We thank you for how you've kept us, Lord, uh, through this time and how you continue to keep us, oh God. We ask, oh Lord, that uh, you will um, help us, oh God, to, to be able to... Uh, have hearts of gratitude and thanksgiving toward you that um, from those hearts of gratitude and thanksgiving oh god we will continue to um, willingly uh, give uh, to this ministry to your ministry here oh god to this thing that you are doing that you're allowing us to be a part of lord we thank you for the opportunity um, that you give us to be able to tithe to be able to give to your ministry. You don't need our money. You don't need anything from us, but you allow us to participate in what you're doing. You allow us to um, to give, oh God. You know, that's a, an opportunity for us to demonstrate our faith, especially when times are hard, to continue just to trust in you, um, to practically trust um, uh, in what you are going to do and what you are doing, and that you will continue to just support and and protect and provide for us. Oh God, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are our provider. And we just thank you again, Lord, for your love. You, you, you provide for us because you love us. You love each one of us. Um, as your children, um, we belong to you. And again, as I said, Lord, you have been a good father to us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, I want to continue in prayer, just continue to praise you, Lord, and all of the provision you've extended toward this church. Lord, I want to just lift up the saints here um, in a time when 
You've had the government telling us we cannot meet. Saints, stayed faithful, Lord. And that same government who told us we can't meet gave us all money. And saints came to me cheerfully, Lord, saying, I tithe from this money, Lord. Um, and it's just funny to think how you foil the plans of the wicked, Lord. And just, I just think of how you love the cheerful giver, Lord, and how so many people were able to cheerfully give, Lord. How you kept almost, if not every single member of this church working during that time. Kept the income flow to each and every one of us that we were able to continue to give and continue to support this ministry, Lord. And we just thank you so much. Thank you for um, continuing to care for your people, Lord. And it's not um, where you just helped us meet our needs to squeak by, Lord. As your word says, you give abundantly, Lord. You've given more than we needed, and you helped us exceed our goal for the year, Lord. And we just praise you in that. We praise you for just remembering all of your people, Lord, and remembering to um, just continue to bless us, Lord, and how you just find the ways when we don't see it, how it'll happen, Lord. You just make the way happen, Lord, and how you have kept each one of the people that give in this church to be dedicated servants of you, Lord, who continue to give even though things looked uncertain, even though things looked hard, Lord, um, and who continue to give, Lord. And we just thank you for that, Lord. And we just thank you for continuing to keep this ministry alive, continuing to use us, using many of us to um, work at the rescue mission and meet the needs of those who have nothing, Lord, and who are needy, Lord, but also um, that as our um, mission states to reach the men of our city, Lord, and you're using us in that way, and you're continuing to use this ministry in that way. We just thank you again, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen.